today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Maybe that's the problem. Stay with me. You know how it is when we pray, God bless me, and, and then God in His grace, oh, we so don't deserve it. He blesses us. And then here we are now basking in the blessing of God. And what happens? Oh, that very blessing becomes a curse because now we forget the Lord. Life can be hard, and it's easy to get caught up in the struggles and challenges that we face. In today's message, Pastor J.D. talks about how it's important that we don't forget about the good things in our lives. Instead of focusing on what we lack, we begin to see all the wonderful things that we've been given. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired in Truth podcast or download the Inspired in Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You know what you're like? You're like a uh, wild donkey in heat. This speaks to spiritual adultery and idolatry on the part of Judah. You know where he says, uh, verse 23, see your way in the valley. For those of you that went to Israel with us, you remember outside the city walls of Jerusalem, the Valley of Hinnom, the Valley of the Drums, also known as, where they would take their babies and sacrifice them to Molech. And this Molech God there, right, right there, we drove by it in the bus. Here's this valley in that very place. You know what they would do? This is God's people. They would take their babies and they would place them on this statue, this iron statue of Molech. And inside the statue was a fire that burned so hot and that baby would be burned alive as they sacrificed that child to Molech. By the way, that's where we get the expression fire in the belly. That's where it comes from. And I suppose you could say God is reminding them, because here they're, they're, they're like, we haven't done anything wrong. We, we haven't gone after Baals. Oh really? What about what you did there in that valley? You don't remember? I do. I know what you did. You're going after these other gods, like a donkey in heat. During the time of mating, I read one uh, commentary on it. I, I got to tell you, I, I had to walk away and just pray because it was so graphic and intense. And I won't um, repeat it, but it's the, when a donkey is in heat, you don't want to be anywhere near. That's all I'm going to say. Just, but I mean, that's the imagery. You're like that in your spiritual adultery, going after these other gods. Verse 25, withhold your foot from being unshod and your throat from thirst. This is symbolism of slavery, being barefoot and 
in bondage and in thirst. And isn't this true? Isn't this what sin does? It always leads to bondage. But see, Satan doesn't package it like that. He always presents it as, hey, nothing wrong. Spice it up. Live it up. And we buy it. And we do it. And what always ensues is bondage. But that's not in the fine print when Satan tempts us. And this is interesting, but you said there is no hope. No, for I have loved aliens and after them I will go. This is not what we would refer to in the modern day sense of aliens, but foreigners. So what, verse 25 is pretty packed, pretty full of some very important principles that I think, again, we would do well to take note of and take heed of. You know, when Satan tempts us and we fall prey to sin and then become in bondage to that sin, then what happens is it just seems hopeless, like there's no way out. So we might as well, I've already blown it, so I might as well just go for it. That's exactly what the enemy intended from the very start. He wants to enslave and and get us in bondage to that sin, and then we become so hopeless in that sin, and say, what hope is there? I've already kind of gone too far. I might as well go after them. After them I will go. Verse 26, as the thief is ashamed when he is found out, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They and their kings and their princes and their priests and their prophets, saying to a tree, you are my father, and to a stone, you gave birth to me. For they have turned their back to me, and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. Oh, now you want me. I mean, let me see if I got this straight. You've gone after these other gods. You've even with, and by your own admission said, after them I will go. Well, it looks like after them you went. And, and you were so, <laughs> I mean, to the extent to which you would say to a tree, you're my God, you're my father, to a stone, you gave birth to me. That's not good. That's your God, that tree? How's that working out for you? That rock, that's it, that's your, your God's wood and stone. You got a problem, sir, ma'am, you got a problem. That's your God. So now adversity strikes and, and hardship and, and trouble and trial and tribulation. And, and then you come to the Lord and cry out to the Lord, Lord, help me. And the Lord's like, really? I thought the tree and the stone, and he's going to say that by the way, verse 28, but where are your gods that you have made 
for yourselves. Why don't you ask them for help? Oh yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> they can't. Because they're rock and tree and not gods at all. And, and God, and again, please see this through love, not cruelty. But God says to them, let them arise if they can save you in the time of your trouble. For according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. That's interesting. In other words, they had a lot of these gods, a lot of cities, and I guess the number of their gods was comparable to the number of their cities. I mean, you got plenty gods. Can't one of them help you? Why, verse 29, will you plead with me? You all have transgressed against me, says the Lord. In vain, verse 30, I have chastened your children. They receive no correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. O generation, verse 31, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel, or a land of darkness? Why do my people say, we are lords, we will come no more to you? Can a virgin forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? That would be weird, wouldn't it? Bride show up on her wedding day forgetting her dress? I wouldn't perform the marriage if that happens. <laughs> we got a problem right out of the chute here. I'm sorry, that's... Um... But that's what he's saying. I mean, that, how absurd is this? A bride forgetting her, her dress on her wedding day. That's, but you forgot me. No, yet my people have forgotten me. You always forget, you never remember. I know this is going to be a play on words, but you know, as you get older, you forget to remember, and you don't remember, and forget because you can't remember, so you forget. Can I get a witness here on this? But again, the key word is remember. You've forgotten, you've left. This is a deliberate act. You, you've forgotten all about me. Apparently I don't rise to the level of being important enough for you to remember. You mean, you really don't remember all that I've done for you? Maybe that's the problem. Stay with me. You know how it is when we pray, God bless me, and, and then God in His grace, oh we so don't deserve it, He blesses us. And then here we are now basking in the blessing of God. And what happens? Oh, that very blessing becomes a curse, because now we forget the Lord. Oh, but let's flip that around, and this is cyclical throughout the history of Israel, isn't it? They, they go through the judgment of God, the discipline of God, the chastening of God. God delivers them into the hands of their enemies. They're in captivity. They cry out to God. They repent. 
God delivers them, restores them, blesses them, prospers them. And then they forget the Lord, and they sin against the Lord, and they go back into captivity. Then they cry out to the Lord again, and Lord save me. And God saves them, and blesses them, and prospers them, and delivers them. And then they forget about the Lord again. And then don't get too hard on them. We do the same thing. Come on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. You know, we're talking in James about self-deception. It was there last week. It's going to be there again this week on Sunday. He says, to do this is to be self-deceived. Self-deceived means you can lie to yourself and believe your own lies. We all have the propensity to deceive ourselves into believing a lie we tell ourselves. And we're just like them. If we're honest with ourselves, and we're not given over to self-deception, we would have to admit that like them, in those times of prosperity, that's when we're the most vulnerable. But isn't it true that during times of adversity, man, we're crying. Our whole prayer life has changed. I mean, when things are going good, here's our prayer. God bless me, bless them, bless this, bless that. And then, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, and then that's it. We, don't, we probably don't talk to the Lord until who knows when, maybe, maybe later on in the day, if not well, there's a long period of time that transpires between the last time we talked to the Lord. But boy, let adversity strike. Oh God, I mean, we get very good at praying. Oh Creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Oh, it's like, it's like, oh, now I have your attention. This is Ecclesiastes 7.14. Here's a, a paraphrase of this very important verse. Solomon by the Holy Spirit writes and says, during times of prosperity and joy, hey, God's blessing you, enjoy it. Don't apologize for it. it enjoy it while it lasts, because <laughs> you know why you can, because when, I wish it didn't say when, I wish it said, if by chance, possibly, adversity should happen to strike. No, it doesn't say that. It says, during times of prosperity and joy, but when adversity strikes, stop and consider that God allows one alongside the other, the adversity alongside the prosperity. Why? So that man can discover nothing about his future. What does that mean? That means that you always have to be reliant and dependent upon the Lord. See, because during times of prosperity we tend to drift. But let's again be honest, we don't have to trust the Lord during times of prosperity. I mean, you know, we've already been provided for. But boy, adversity? I mean, you're on your face before the Lord. And you're close to the Lord, and you draw near to the Lord. And as James says, when we draw near to the Lord, the Lord will draw near to us. 
The problem here for them then is our problem for us now. We tend to forsake the Lord, backslide, leave, distance ourselves from the Lord. Can I say it like this? It's almost like, again, because of God's love for us, He's like, I love you so much, I I really miss you. I, I would like for you to come back and so we can have that intimacy that we once had. Have you ever thought of it like that? Again, I'll frame it in the context of a an earthly parent as a fallen father. I know with my children, I love to be with them. And I'm close with my children. I have a great, by the grace of God, relationship with my children, not because I'm this amazing father. <laughs> Boy, you want to talk about the grace of God. It was the grace of God. I mean, I mean grace (laughs) of God that I have a great relationship with my children. I love to spend time with them. And I miss them when I don't have that time with them. It's 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 kind of an, an ache in your heart, because you just, you love them so much. You love that closeness with them. How much more our Heavenly Father? Could it be, and just think this through with me, so if it's during times of prosperity that we're prone to wander, and conversely during times of adversity that we draw near and come back to the Lord, Could it be that God knows that? And He loves us so much, and misses us so much, and wants us close to Him so much, and He knows the only way that He's ever going to have that closeness with us is if adversity strikes. Okay, that's why. Hey, if that's what it takes to get you back, to get your attention. I can't get your attention when things are going so well. I mean, I'm the furthest thing from your mind. It's kind of like, you know that saying, you forgot where you came from. You forgot (laughs) back in the the days when you despised the days of small things. Remember those days? Remember those days when all you had was the Lord? It's all you needed too. As one famously said, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. But it was just you and Jesus. And you were content. That's all you needed. Then all of a sudden, God starts blessing your life. And all of these other things creep in. And you forget about the Lord. And would to God it would never be said of us as graphically as this is said and described here, that we would forget the Lord like a bride would forget her wedding dress, that we would never forget the Lord. Yet he says, my people have forgotten me days without number. Oof, 
Why, verse 33, do you beautify your way to seek love? Therefore, you have also taught the wicked women your ways. In other words, it's bad enough that you did this, but you modeled it for others and taught them to do it as well. That might explain, at least in part, the graphic nature of what he says in verse 34. Also on your skirts is found the blood of the lives of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but plainly on all these things. In other words, I didn't have to look that far to find it. It's right there. Yeah, you say, verse 35, because I am innocent. Surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead my case against you, because you say, I have not sinned. In other words, it's like this. It's like, you know, it wasn't that bad. And, and God didn't just bring the hammer down right away, so it must not be a big deal. So you keep doing it. No, God's a patient God. He's long-suffering. He'll give you time to repent. You think God takes delight? I mean, how do you as a parent, how much do you enjoy disciplining and chastening your children? You know how we say to our children when they're young, this is, is going to hurt me a lot more, it's going to hurt you. <laughs> like any child believes that to begin with. Of course, like we were talking about on Sunday, I, I just, hey, I think we can just save both of us the hurt. Just don't do it, and it won't hurt you or me. How about that? Or how about this, I, I'm disciplining you because I love you, and is that not what the writer of Hebrews says? He ch chastens those whom, and disciplines those whom he loves. And that's how we know, as the litmus test by which we're known as his children, because a parent is not going to spank somebody else's children. How weird would that be? That would be a problem. So, oh, that must be the parent, because they're they're disciplining their, their child, must be their child. That's what the Lord says. I discipline you because I love you. Again, through the lens of love. But they're protesting like, ah, eh, it's not a big deal. And now here's the Lord's response, verse 36. We'll bring it in for an end, ending. Why do you get about so much to change your way? Also, you shall be ashamed of Egypt as you were ashamed of Assyria. Indeed, verse 37, you will go forth from him with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected your trusted allies, and you will not prosper by them. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this and this ending to this chapter. By the way, this is just the beginning, <laughs> so don't lose heart, but several chapters of this. But why? Well, it's the why behind the what? Because God loves them, and He wants them to remember because they have forgotten. 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.